It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhips dissecting issues. Choose as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Hey, welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Uh, wishing you a great day today. We've got a wonderful show planned for you. First segment, we'll talk a little bit about the Denver teachers' strike. Uh, most interesting development yesterday, the Denver teachers went on strike. Uh, in the second segment, we will chat with Tim Jackson. He is the um, CEO of the Colorado Automobile Dealers Association. And as many of you know, Governor Hickenlooper, before he left office, and Governor Polis, when he got into office, they both decided to issue executive orders. Basically, uh, if you like your car, you may not be able to keep your car, at least if those things go through. So Senator John Cook has introduced legislation to push back on this. Uh, in essence, what they're doing is trying to tie our emission standards to California. We are a, a totally different state than California. We want to be Colorado. We don't want to be California. So we'll be chatting with uh, Tim Jackson about that. I think the hearing on this is going to be on Thursday afternoon, and I'm going to try to go down and testify on that. So that will be the second segment. And then third seg- third and fourth segment, Jeffrey Katz, he is the author of the book, The Secret Life. He is uh, studied as a rabbi, also an, as an attorney. And he had uh, opined just recently after the State of the Union address that, uh, first of all, the Democrats, um, many of them uh, wore their uh, hearts on their white sleeves, as he said. Their behavior was uh, most interesting. And uh, then Stacey Abrams, who had run for governor in uh, Georgia and backed by Oprah Winfrey, uh, and Stacey Abrams is, uh, you know, lurching to that activist, progressive, radical left. He says, what if Oprah won, she, or ran for president? Would she lurch to the left like Kamala Harris and, and Cory Booker and, and that whole group that's running for president on the Democrat ticket? Uh, so it'll be a very interesting conversation with Jeffrey Katz in the third and fourth segment. So be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. And I am the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering a conservatarian perspective. And that voice that you hear many times is not God. That is actually producer Steve um, uh, coming in and letting us know what he thinks about some things. So producer Steve, it's great to have you here. (laughs) Good morning. I (laughs) wish you wouldn't say things like that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're blushing. You're blushing. So, hey, as many of you know, uh, I am partnering with Dr. Tom Cranawitter and his team over at Speakeasy Ideas, and we are bringing you Vino and Veritas. It is the fourth Monday of each month. Uh, This month, uh, it will be February 25th, 5 to 8 p.m., over at Water's Edge Winery. And uh, we are going through the Federalist Papers. It is exciting. The waiting list is growing. And don't give up. Email me at kimandamerichicks.com to get onto the wait list because we are working diligently to address demand on this. Uh, But uh, it's just a fabulous event. And uh, so let me know if if you're interested in that. 
Our presenting sponsors in January was Harmony Ridge Construction. And the amazing team over at Harmony Ridge can help you with any of those projects. They say they build homes and they usually make friends in the process. And then February's presenting sponsor is, and many of you know her, Susan Kochevar. She is the owner of the historic 88 Drive-In Theater. And uh, spring is right around the corner. Susan plans to open sometime in March. So thank you to both of these presenting sponsors for Vino and Veritas. Uh, Also, if you're running into someone who is... uh, Striving for excellence, they're cheerful, doing their job well, let me know. I love hearing about that. And today's funnies. I changed this just a little bit, Steve, but you sent this over. So, Ole and his lovely bride, Lena, were having a discussion about what Ole could give Lena for Valentine's Day. Apparently, Ole had been out with the guys and he had some making up to do. So Lena said that she wanted to have something in the driveway that went from zero to 200 In six seconds, Lena woke up on Valentine's Day, and there was a box in the driveway. Opening it up, she found that it was a weight scale, and Oli has been missing and not been heard from for two weeks. (laughs) Great joke. I love that one, Steve. So, hey, let's let's go ahead and jump in here uh, regarding the Denver teacher strike. Uh, A passerby... I took a little bit of video and audio yesterday and sent it over to me. It's a little difficult to hear. It gets better at the end. But this is uh, our teachers out there uh, striking. So go ahead and hit that sound bite, please. Okay, what they were saying is, if they don't pay us, shut it down. If they don't pay us, shut it down. Uh, my friends, this is the people that are teaching our children out there, and it seems to me like they need a bit of an attitude readjustment. Uh, I've had wonderful teachers in my life. Uh, I know a lot of teachers. I value teachers, and I value people that do their job really, really well. But we have also seen some uh, teachers that may not like kids so much. For example, the teacher down in Douglas County who uh, called out the wrong kid, uh, but called out the kid uh, from Covington Catholic High School, uh, calling him a Hitler youth. And uh, we have gotten to a point where we have some teachers that have some pretty bad bad attitudes. And um, quite frankly, I'm a little unhappy with the fact that the Denver teachers have gone on strike. And uh, if you look at, there was an excellent uh, editorial in the Denver Post yesterday morning. And uh, the offer to the Denver teachers was an 11% raise, bringing the salary for a first-year teacher base pay to what the union was demanding, which is $45,800. The offer also put $55 million over the next three years toward teachers' base salaries, and much of that money was to uh, come from cuts in the uh, central office, so from administration, which I think that that makes a lot of sense. Now, bear in mind, I think that that's a pretty healthy offer that is on the table. And again, I value teachers immensely, but they basically get summers off. They get all the holidays off. In addition, they have a very attractive benefits package, and we, the taxpayers, are also paying pensions. And, and most private enterprise no longer has defined benefit plans, such as what Para is offering 
to teachers and the cost for these uh, this benefit plan with the you know the insurance and the um, uh, para and all typically that can run anywhere from twenty twenty five to thirty percent over what the base salary is. So this looks to me like it's a pretty sweet offer. But the Denver Post editorial board goes on to say that that's not what this strike is about. The strike is about bonuses the district office offers to teachers who work in difficult-to-fill positions, such as math and science teachers or at low-income or high-priority schools. The union and the teachers it represents say those bonuses are ineffective and should be redirected to base salary. This is really, my friends, what the fight has been about regarding education. And that is, is do we have a step and ladder situation where you just kind of go ahead and you, you put in your time and then you hit these different things like get your master's or variety of things. And that is how your pay is increased versus performance in the classroom. And in all kinds of private enterprise, if you do a job well, you should be paid more. You know, it, we don't have mediocre, um, you know, sports teams, uh, pro sports teams. Everybody is striving for excellence, and you pay the people that perform more. So this is about whether or not we're going to have mediocrity or if we're going to have teachers that strive for excellence. And once you start a competitive market, then in essence, I think education gets better. Now, I do realize that, that teaching can be somewhat collaborative, and not all teachers want to feel like they're competing with the, the teacher sitting right next to them. So perhaps it might be a situation where the team of teachers uh, would, would come together and say, you know, we would like to, to work together to try to increase our performance. But I just Googled to see Denver's graduation rates, and this is from DPSD. DP, well, Denver Public Schools. And Steve, would you like to, producer Steve, would you like to guess what their graduation rate is? Guess. Oh, geez. Is it just slightly over 50%? It, it is. It's at 64.8% with an on time completion rate, it says, of 66.9%. Now, I tell you what, I don't think that's very good. You know what? We talk about education all the time, and that means that only about six out of ten kids in Denver Public Schools graduates on time. And uh, I think that, that I think that we can do better. So instead of these teachers being out there striking, I think that they should be trying to figure out how they can serve the community, which is paying them to do this job to educate our children. And uh, so I'm very unhappy with the uh, the attitude of. Um, if they don't pay us, shut it down, when in essence, Superintendent Susanna Cordova has put an 11% raise on the, the table for them. And that is not just an 11% raise. That, uh, that comes out of the taxpayer's pocket. And in addition, that will be another 20 to 30% of that 11%, which will go towards benefits package, uh, retirement, you know, nice, nice insurance package and all. Let's just back up a second. What, you said the Denver rate of graduation was 60, what? It was, uh, it says it was 64.8%. Okay, I just just to be fair, give us a baseline. I went out and just did a quick search on the national uh, high school graduation rate, which is at 84%. Wow. 
So I think these teachers maybe need to get back in the classroom and, and do their job is what I think needs to happen. So that's my opinion. We're going to go to break, though. I uh, want to talk to Tim Jackson with the Colorado Automobile Dealers Association in this next uh, segment because Governors Hickenlooper and Polis are are really working very hard to take away our choices uh, on the vehicles that we drive and by making them much more expensive. And what they're doing is tying our mission standards to California. Senator John Cook has um, put forth some legislation to push back on that. And uh, I want to talk to Tim Jackson about what's going on with that because I think the hearing will be probably on Thursday. I would encourage all of us to get down there uh, because this is something that is really going to affect Affect our freedom, freedom to drive, freedom of mobility. That is what allows everyday, hardworking people to be able to go after their hopes and dreams, take their kids to school, take their kids to different places, drive to work. And it's astounding to me that we've got uh, leaders out there that are trying to, to, in essence, take away that freedom. So we'll talk to Tim Jackson in this next break. Before we do that, though, uh, it is... Now it's Nuggets and it's Avs time and March Madness is right around the corner. I can't wait. I love the University of Kansas basketball. And uh, so Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. And um, they have all kinds of specials starting at $10 for a draft and 10 boneless wings. And did you know that Hooters wings can fly? You can have them delivered right to your doorstep. Tomorrow the girls are coming over. And I'm going to have those new smoked wings. They're delicious and only half the calories. So order your Hooters wings to go or have them delivered right to your front door. For more information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. We will be right back talking about freedom to drive. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. You may be There is crazy stuff going on down at the State House. Hey, this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. 
agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com, and that is where I am on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering a conservatarian perspective. We have on the line with us uh, Tim Jackson. He is the CEO over at the Colorado Automobile Dealers Association. Tim, I always have a hard time saying all those words together. <laughs> I know. It's really a long name, isn't it? Well, it is, but uh, you, you do really great work, and there's something that is astounding that's going on in Colorado. I know many people are aware of that, but let's just go ahead and set that up again if people are not aware of what has been happening regarding these executive orders from Governor Hickenlooper and Governor Polis, uh, which in essence is going to, I think, affect people's freedom to drive. So what happened? Well, it will affect people's freedom to drive and, and especially their freedom to uh, buy the vehicle of choice that they need to drive. Um, it will place restrictions on um, our, our – well, what it will do is make those vehicles that Coloradoans typically like to buy and drive more expensive – and uh, as you said in the uh, intro on this, um, Colorado is a much different state than California. In California, the vehicle mix is close to 50-50, light-duty trucks versus passenger cars. In Colorado, it's 3-1 to one light-duty trucks versus passenger cars. And the light-duty trucks in- includes um, anything with an all-wheel drive platform because we like to go to the mountains. It includes pickups, vans, and SUVs or CUTs, um, what the industry calls trucks. Well, those vehicles tend to get less fuel economy than a passenger car. So the California standard would be much, and I will even say much, much, much harder to achieve in Colorado than it is in California. Well, and Tim, if I remember right, with these uh, executive orders, there's benchmarks like a certain percentage of a fleet that a dealer might sell has to to bump up to a point where I think it's almost 10% uh, of the fleet needs to be an electric, an LEV, uh, so a low-emission vehicle, or a zero-emission zero vehicle. And, um, and people may not want to buy those particular cars. And so then, astoundingly, the dealer will be penalized and, of course, that cost goes back to the consumer, and so people will have to pay more for the vehicles they want uh, because um, dealers are not selling uh, vehicles that they don't want. Uh, you are right on that. And uh, um, the, the, the percentage is uh, 10% by the year 2025, and that's model year 2025. Those will typically hit the road in 2024. So it seems like we're a long ways from that, Kim, but we're only five years away from that. And, and our, in Colorado, the penetration on those sales is only uh, now between 2 and 3%. So um, they're basically saying um, we've upped our standards, so up yours. And, and uh, that's <laughs> a, a terrible thing for uh, the Colorado governors to say to the people of Colorado, but um, they're basically saying... We don't care if it costs you more to buy the SUV. If you're if you're driving an SUV, you should have to pay more. Well, and, you know, Tim, we've talked about it. It's not that, you know, you and I don't like electric cars. Now, what I don't like is the heavy subsidization of uh, electric vehicles uh, because it, uh, I don't know where it is exactly right now, but it had been a total of $12,500 
in tax credits, it was, uh, let's see, what was it, 7500 from the feds and 5000 from the state of Colorado. And so, in essence, politicians and bureaucrats have, say, have said, if you buy this vehicle, then you're not going to have to pay as much in your income taxes. Well, then that means that there's less revenue coming in uh, to the coffers. That has to be made up in different ways as well. So they did the carrot. And that didn't really work because you said that it's been around two to three percent. Now they're coming in with with uh, you, you, the club or the or the force on this. And this is really a question I think between freedom and force. Do people have the freedom to buy the vehicles they want, or is government going to force things onto them? Well, you're exactly right. And um, the, the carrot and the stick analogy is a really a great way to put it because um, already Colorado is incentivizing, so we've already got the carrot for people to buy the cars that um, the governors, the two governors in a row want Coloradans to buy. But if that's not working, then they have to bring out the stick. And um, the stick is more money, so you got the incentive to move to the EV, the 12500 It is still the same, by the way. Um, certain manufacturers are running out of their credits, so that may not be available now on certain cars. But for the most part, it's still 12000 500 on, on most vehicles sold in Colorado that are in that EV category. Wow. Okay. So the next thing is what to do about it. There's a, a couple of things. I uh, First of all, you know, I, I have a whole bunch of different women's groups, and I think everybody would like to have a project, and I think that we need to start a project where we are making sure that we are informing our neighbors, writing letters to the editor uh, because what I've seen is down at the state house right now, sometimes they don't really care what people have to say. Although uh, the first thing to do will be to show up for this hearing. Now it keeps getting postponed. Uh, is it going to be Thursday, or what do you think? Well, yeah, um, I'm glad you brought that up, and I was going to go to that next. So your timing is impeccable. Okay? <laughs> uh, it's actually moved again, and and it has been postponed or moved around, but now it has been moved to Wednesday. So tomorrow, upon adjournment, um, adjournment could happen as early as 9.30 a.m. tomorrow, or it could be 10 or 10.30 a.m. But uh, we're telling our folks to, we're actually going to host a breakfast at 7.30 a.m. over at Sassafras on Colfax and encourage people to come in early and eat breakfast and then go over to the, um, then go over to the hearing. Uh, the hearing is in LSB building the legislative services building so legislative services building b uh the b is the meeting room number so uh, lsb slash b and that's um at the corner of 14th and sherman and we'd invite anybody pro or con on this let's fill the room let's overfill the room that's what we anticipate will happen and let's have a discussion on why colorado would want to cede air quality authority uh, to a governing body that's appointed by the California governor with no accountability or testing or methodology designed for Colorado. Never happened before, Kim. This is historic in that nature. Well, I tell you what, I think sometimes we're out California-ing, uh, California. Um, now, again, and I guess we should explain that Senator John Cook has proposed some legislation to push back on these executive orders. So that's what this hearing is about. Am I correct on that? Yes, that is correct. Uh, Senator John Cook has sponsored Senate Bill uh, 53053, and uh, that would uh, prevent Colorado from adopting the California standards. 
Okay, and the way that works for our listeners, it, it would be Senate Bill 19. So they always put the, the year there and then 53. So you can actually Google that. And I would encourage people to read that legislation. And then I had also found those um, executive orders. And so if people have time, they might take a look at that. I'll, I'll see if I can get those up on Facebook. So now, again, uh, Tim Jackson, tomorrow morning, you said 730 at Sassafras Restaurant. Uh, people are meeting. And so are you buying breakfast for folks? We will buy your breakfast. <laughs> Come in and join us and we'll buy breakfast. And uh, Sassafras is between Grant and Logan okay. on Colfax, just in the first block east of the Capitol okay. on Colfax. Okay, very good. And then uh, then everybody will go on over to testify. I will be down there. I might be a little, um, I, I go off the air at 7, so it'll probably be closer to 8 when I get there. But I will be there. And uh, because I think that this is really important, most people don't realize what's going on, and they won't realize this until it's too late. Uh, so, Tim Jackson, thank you so much. I will see you tomorrow morning uh, at Sassafras Restaurant. Okay. Appreciate it. Okay, fantastic. I tell you, my friends, this is really, really important. We have uh, we've had we've been sitting around not doing anything for quite some time, and we all we realize now that we are at a time where we need to make sure that we. We step up to the plate and do something. And so there's assaults, you know, in our education system. Uh, There's assaults in all different kinds of spots uh, regarding our education, our freedom to drive, a whole bunch of different things. And so we need to make sure that we we step up. So let's go have breakfast on Tim Jackson's by tomorrow morning. So Sassafras Restaurant at 730. Uh, But let's go ahead and jump on over here with Jason McBride. Jason McBride, how are you doing? I only got one thing to say about the car I drive. What's that? that? Yeah, it's got a Hemi. (laughs) Well, be careful because Governors Hickenlooper and Polis don't like your car. That might be a collector's item soon, huh? That's for sure. To it, that's for sure. So, but Jason, hey, let's jump in here. You you have such great advice for folks. And uh, many people use a 30-year mortgage to keep their their payments low. How can this affect someone headed into retirement? Well, Kim, I really feel like the lower your fixed expenses are once you're retired, in other words, the less money someone is sticking their hand out for every month saying, pay me, uh, the less stress and and worry that most people are, are going to have. So, you know, if you can have your mortgage paid off or at least very close to paid off at retirement, I think that's a really good thing. It's a good goal to shoot for. Now, a lot of people say that it's good to have a mortgage because of the tax deduction. What say you? I'd say a lot less people will be itemizing uh, for a while, at least, due to the higher standard deductions that came with the Trump tax cuts. But we could look at it anyway. Uh, Okay. Okay. So let's look. With the way real estate prices have shot up the last few years here in Colorado, mortgages have also gotten larger as well. So let's look at a 30-year mortgage for 300000 with an interest rate of 4.5%. Okay, that, that's probably reasonable in the ballpark. So the monthly payment, this is just the principal and interest, not the tax and insurance, would be about 1520 a month. And here's where it gets interesting, Kim. The first payment of that 1520 $1,125 goes to interest. 
only 395 of that money goes to principal, so only about 25% of that big check you're writing actually goes to pay down any of your, your house, and the rest just goes to the bank. And over the first year, you pay over $13,000 just in interest. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's quite a bit, but don't you get a tax break on that? Well, we used to, so maybe, maybe not. But even let's assume we do. If you're at a 25% tax rate, you get a tax break of about 3300 But you handed over 13000 to the bank just to get back 3000 from Uncle Sam. So I don't know. That doesn't sound like a very good deal to me. You give the bank a dollar just so you can get back a quarter from your favorite uncle. <laughs> well, you know, Jason, when you, you put it that way, I'd rather pay Uncle Sam the $3,000 in taxes and keep the other 10000 in my pocket. Well, that's right. I've never really understood the supposed benefit of this mortgage interest deduction. And what's worse is this. A lot of statistics out there show people refinance about once every seven years. Now, seven years into the mortgage I've discussed, you've only paid down the principal by about 39000 but you've coughed up about $89,000 in interest. Wait, that's more than two to one. It is. And then, uh, worse yet, after seven years, uh, each payment you make, at least the amount of principal has crept up to a whopping 35% of the payment instead of 25 But when you refinance, it's like, bam, you start all over again with the first payment being even more interest, which doesn't help you. And if you don't refinance, it takes almost 20 years until you've paid off half the balance. And if interest rates go higher, these numbers just get much worse real quick. So it sounds like you are a pretty strong advocate for trying to pay down your mortgage and debts. I I can say from experience, Kim, my clients who are mortgage-free and debt-free seem to be happier than the ones that aren't. And, you know, with a lot of people now using the standard deduction, the interest payment isn't of any benefit to you at all, at least tax-wise. So uh, putting a few extra bucks towards paying down your mortgage might not sound as exciting as investing in Uh, the next hot stock that comes along. But I'll tell you, it's a big relief to be debt-free. And when people come in to work with us and we put together an overall plan for them, this is definitely one of the things we look at. Well, that sounds like that makes a lot of sense. So if people would like to have uh, Jason McBride or the the guys and gals over at Presidential Wealth Management, you know, take a look at the the strategy. I mean, you guys look look at the whole thing. Uh, Be sure and check them out. It's chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. Or the phone number is 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. Jason, this is really, you know, very good advice. So thanks so much. I can't wait to hear what you have to say tomorrow. Thank you, Kim. Have a great show. Okay, thanks so much. We're going to go to break. When we come back, I'm very excited to talk with Jeffrey Katz. Uh, His book, uh, The Secret Life, uh, is a fascinating book. But before we get to his book, uh, he recently had talked about what if Oprah Winfrey ran for president. So let's talk to Jeffrey Katz. We'll be right back. 
You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at Americhicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the Americhicks radio show. Contact us at Americhicks.com or email Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks. I'm Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. That's where I am on Facebook and Twitter as well. And offering a conservatarian perspective. I'm thrilled to have on the line with me uh, Jeffrey Katz. He is the author of The Secret Life, a book of wisdom from the great teacher. And so we will talk with him in the next segment about this book. Uh, But one of the things that really kind of got my attention after the State of the Union address, Jeffrey Katz came out and said, what if Oprah Winfrey uh, ran for president? We have uh, so many people that are jumping into the race for president on the Democrat side. And then Stacey Abrams, the the former candidate for Georgia governor, gave the rebuttal or uh, final remarks after the State of the Union address. She's a good friend of Oprah's. And uh, I thought that was a really intriguing question, though. What if Oprah... Uh, would run for president. So Jeffrey Katz, welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Kim, great to be here with you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, So what made you even ask this question about Oprah uh, after you watched the State of the Union address? Well, uh, that's a great question. It's because, you know, we have all these people now jumping into the uh, Democratic field. And it's just so interesting to look at the direction of the left in our country, I mean, they're really veering, you know, they seem to be veering way over, way over. And when you look at um, even candidates like, um, you know, President Obama and people who um, you know, Oprah obviously uh, strongly supported, the policies that are being talked about now on the left are really um, going much, much further. So when you think about it, I mean, um, I thought to myself, Someone like Oprah, if she would throw her hat on the ring, she popular. But I was thinking to myself, is she in sync even with the direction that the left is headed in now? And I'm thinking that based on my initial thoughts, were based on the way Oprah's conducted her life, she's really not simpatico even with the way the left is going. Because if you look at Oprah, for example, she has funded girls' schools in Africa. She's given a lot of charity there. She seems to be about empowering people to be self-sufficient, to be able to stand on their own two feet. Whereas, you know, the Democrats now are talking society in the United States where we will turn and where we will um, guarantee people a lifetime of public assistance, whether they want to work or not. So it really seems that 
it's inconsistent with uh, with where the left is going now. So, you know, she may even find herself just too too conservative for where they're going at this point. You know, Jeffrey, I cannot figure out, though, what, you know, I'm looking at some of her quotes and she, you know, striving for excellence and self-sufficiency and, and you know, all those things that are really, you know, uh, conservative values. But yet she supports these politicians and bureaucrats that do just the opposite. Have you figured, have you matched that up? I can't figure that out. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, when you look at something like charity, and this is something I discuss at length in my book, The Secret Life, A Book of Wisdom, that's all about the um, ancient teachings of Maimonides, but who was one of the most brilliant minds of the past thousand years. He was a philosopher, religious thinker, leading doctor of his time. He was, you know, the court physician to the... Um, to, to the um, in e- the Sultan Saladin in Egypt, he was a an astronomer, really, but a very practical thinker, and he discussed things like charity. Now he is the one who is attributed to, you know, the old expression, uh, "teach a person to fish." That was give him a fish. That's attributed to Maimonides, along with a lot of other things. So that's really where we should be um, striving. And people want to give. You see, you know, you pass a homeless person on the street, you want to help the person. People want to give. So people become a little bit confused, kind of, in the way to help somebody. And people become deluded, thinking that putting someone on a lifetime of assistance is going to um, make, make life really good for that person. And that's just wrong. And that's something that Maimonides recognized and taught you know, in terms of teaching a person to be self-sufficient, teaching him to fish. And it looks like Oprah knows it intuitively because she's used her wealth to empower women specifically in Africa and make them self-sufficient. I mean, that's the greatest gift of all, whereas the gift of permanent dependency or, I mean, that's not really much of a gift for people. I mean, that's not giving them, you know, I, they, those handouts are not really, um, you know, hand, hands up or, or, or leg ups for them. So. You know, I think that's where that's where it shakes out. Well, you know, common sense, really. Yeah, you know, Jeffrey. Really, if you make people dependent on government, it makes people pets instead of people and individuals. And I've thought a lot about about charity. And uh, you know, Americans are very charitable people. And I've done a lot of volunteer work. Uh, and then, as I got into this, I realized that nonprofit it's become an industry in a lot of different areas where they say that, you know, they want to address a problem and, uh, and, and they become almost quasi governmental agencies because they live off of government grants. And, um, it took me a while. I kind of, I had to connect the dots on what was happening. And then I realized that, that it didn't matter so much if people were charitable, if in fact a nonprofit had their hands out to the government asking for government grants. And, of course, then, uh, you know, once you start to be dependent on the government, either way, the government starts to tell you what you can say, what you can't say, what you can do, what you can't do. And uh, that is not the way that Americans typically do charity. Well, that's exactly right. In other words, in a socialist country, you have the government basically controlling a lot of industry. And then it's the government that decides what you have and what you can't have. And if you will, the government then becomes the source of, quote, charity, you know, with all these um, entitlements and dependency programs. The American model, which 
if you look at history, has been so wildly successful, um, so many exponentially more successful than any socialist program in the uh, American system or basically a capitalist um, of the system. You have private people creating wealth, and they they have a large portion of the wealth that they generate. And then it relies on their own charity, and Americans are the most charitable people. And when you have a society that generates wealth, like the American society has, that's when you really get a lot of charity. And Maimonides recognized all this. You see, you have to recognize personal property rights and the rights for people to keep the fruits of their labor as a general matter before you're going to have a society that's wealthy enough where even the less fortunate are going to be the beneficiaries of, you know, people's charitable impulses. I mean, Maimonides urged people to make charity an important part of their lives because he recognized, and this is really critical, that people themselves, Kim, are the happiest and the most productive when they make helping others a regular part of their lives. You know, there was a Harvard economist, Arthur Brooks, recently wrote a study about this, um, in his book, um, you know, Who Really Cares, where he, he, where he documents it and quantified that for every dollar someone gives in charity, he actually earns about another $4.35, most of which is directly attributable, attributable to the charity because giving makes people happier and more productive. You know, charity, giving, giving, because that's what charity is. It's giving, and that's what it should be. But... It just happens to be the way the world is created. When you give charity, you get back so much more. What you get is really incredible. You get, you realize how fortunate you are and blessed because when you're helping the needy, you see how fortunate you are, and that in turn makes you happy. And when people are happy, they go out into the world and they do more good an incredible cycle of positivity. Well, Jeffrey, we're going to go to break. I want to talk with you about your book regarding The Secret Life, but I've thought a lot about charity, uh, and I really think one of the first things that people need to do is they need to make sure that they take care of their own little economy, uh, and that means okay. taking care of their families. And I submit to you that one of the most compassionate things that a man, one man can give to another is the dignity of a job. And, uh, you know, I think that so many of our, our, our entrepreneurs and our business people, uh, they, they get a bad rap, particularly from all of these that are lurching to the left, those radical, progressive activists that are taking over the Democrat Party. This is no longer the Democrat Party of, of JFK. Um, and so they, they demonize people that are actually going out and creating jobs and businesses and... When you give someone a job, you're saying you have something of value that I'm willing to hire you for. And so you're trading value for value. And I think there's such dignity in that. So we're going to go to break. Love to hear what you have to say about that. And then your book looks absolutely fascinating, The Secret Life. And uh, so, Jeffrey Katz, we will be right back with the Americhicks and Kim Munson. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 
303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. If I can make it there, I'll make it. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where I dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Check out my website, americhicks.com. That is where I am on Facebook and Twitter as well. Offering you a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have on the line with me, author Jeffrey Katz. His book, The Secret Life, a book of wisdom from the great teacher. And uh, tell me about this book. You said that the, the great teacher is Maimonides. And uh, I'm learning something here. I'm not familiar with him. So, so explain this to me. Uh, yeah, Jeffrey? Maimonides was, again, one of the greatest minds to have lived in the past uh, thousand years or so. He um, was born in Spain, in Cordova, uh, had to flee um, when he was a child with his family because um, extremist um, Islamists, the Almohads, took over Spain. He was traveling um, with his family, homeless most of the time. Eventually, after many years, wound up um, settling in Egypt with his family. And in Egypt, he became um, chief physician, chief doctor to the um, sultan in Egypt, and he was a great religious thinker and astronomer. He was really a Renaissance man hundreds of years before the Renaissance. He had a profound effect on our world because he influenced um, Judaism and he influenced Christianity through St. Thomas Aquinas principally. But he was, more than anything else, he was just a great practical thinker, and he, he was a great problem solver. And in fact, his ideas so transformed my own life that I wanted to put down his main teachings in a book so everyone could be touched by them. See, normally, the way I, he wrote in very complex philosophical terms, so I, and I studied all those, I, I was able to tease out, it, wasn't, it was not easy doing this, but I teased out his main principles and just laid them all out there very simply so that they're accessible to everybody. And again, it re- relates to the secrets of charity, the secret of justice, the secret of unconditional love, the secret of a higher calling, and the secret of resilience. Wow. It's really the pathway, not only as individuals, but also our society. We can really be a lot happier and better off all around with these ideas. Wow. This is, you know, Jeffrey, I've thought a lot about education here in in America. Um, We've got some wild stuff going on out here in Colorado regarding uh, sex education bills. And, you know, a classical liberal education, people aspire to learn to to be the best that they can be, to think good thoughts, to think big thoughts. This book that you have written sounds absolutely fascinating. I'm going to go home and order it as soon as I get home. Um, and I, I, I think that we need to start to teach our kids to be reading this kind of stuff. There's so much junk out there uh, that you need to kind of, you know, work your way through and make sure that every day... You're, you're using your time to aspire to things higher than just ourselves. And it looks like this book is something that really could be a, 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 great, um, a great recipe for people. Yeah, that's exactly right on that point. That relates to the part of the book about the secret of a higher calling, Kim. You know, in today's society, 
we find ourselves more and more just distracted. Every screen we pass is just bombarding us with all this information. And most of the information winds up being trivial. So we wind up spending more and more of our lives just managing and um, responding to these hordes of um, trivial information. And that's not a formula for a very meaningful life. Well, Maimonides teaches us how to get beyond that and get off the merry-go-round, how we can each find what Maimonides would call our own individual perfection, our ultimate purpose and game-changing goal in life, our own higher calling, if you will. And that is one of the things that can literally transform your life. Like you say, Kim, you wind up spending a certain amount of time and energy and your resources on a regular basis um, developing and moving forward to a higher goal. Well, and so let's circle back then to Oprah. Normally I close the show with quotes, and I, I was looking at some of her quotes, and they, they truly are, are, are quotes of the American spirit of individualism, of excellence. And what we're seeing in politics in America now, the, the veil is really off. I mean, we have a clear choice on whether or not heading towards socialism uh, which you're seeing so many of the Democrat candidates for president espouse now. And and socialism it, it hurts people. Uh, I mean, if you look at what's going on in Venezuela, there's it used to be a very rich country. And it's not because they don't have resources. It's because of a political ideology that their regular everyday people now don't have enough food. And so I can't quite, I just can't match Oprah up with this, you know, these candidates. I just can't figure that out, Jeffrey. Right. It's it's like the point you made before, Kim. So on the left now, people are looking at these billionaires who have all this money, and they're not looking at the thousands of jobs some of them may have created and how they may have helped other people's lives and lifted up so many other people. And, of course, the way our system works, if you're the one who creates thousands and thousands of good jobs for other people, you're going to become very, very, very wealthy. That's how our system is devised. But the left is looking in isolation. You have a lot of money, and we want the government to have most of that. It's like complete blinders. It's just like on a societal level, Kim, where they look at a we- our wealthy society. Of course, our society is very wealthy because people have worked very hard because historically they've been able to keep most of what they produced. But they look at it as a stagnant thing, just as a pie now to be split up. The problem is that when you look at it as a pie, just how much the government can grab out of the current wealth, you stop creating wealth in the future. The reason America's a wealthy society is we continue, because of the incentives that are in place to produce, we keep on producing a lot of new wealth. But that's going to stop once we switch over to a socialist system. And that's exactly what happened in Venezuela. Once Chavez took over and started confiscating everybody's money, people stopped producing anything. And then after 20 years, they used up the money, and now they're all starving. Wow, that's astounding. One other thing then, and I bet Maimonides had had talked about this, and that is gratitude versus envy. And that is socialism is based on envy. And instead of saying, um, you know, I want I want you to be able to do your very best and succeed, and when that happens, that's great. I want to do my very best and succeed. But instead, socialism looks at the person over here succeeding and says, I don't want you to have that. 
I want the government to have that. And so I imagine that that is probably addressed in your book, yes? Oh, yeah, totally. That's in the part on the secret of unconditional love. Maimonides was an absolute pioneer on, on thinking about unconditional love and what that's all about. And it ties into everything you were just saying, Kim. You know, it's almost the socialist ideal is, oh, it's terrific. Good news. We're all equal. We're all poor now. <laughs> terrific news. That's that's kind of the envy. And I'm happy if you're, you know, if everybody has nothing and we're all equal, that's kind of like one of the goals. That would be the opposite. Maimonides taught about unconditional love and unconditional devotion. And that's really an incredible thing. The um, w- looking at the other person with um, an attitude of unconditional love. And of course, first it comes your family. And in terms of, um, you know, Valentine's Day coming up, this it's a perfect um, thing for um, people and their significant others to read together. In fact, my book, The Secret Life, A Book of Wisdom, is a perfect, um, the chapter on the secret of unconditional love is a tremendous thing for Valentine's Day for people um, and, their, and, and their significant others to read together and think about, and they will really be able to um, uplift their relationship on that basis. Well, that sounds just terrific. So, Jeffrey Katz, in uh, preparing for the show, uh, I, had, I did not mention this, but you uh, studied as an attorney and also as a rabbi. So the perspective that you bring to this book has got to be really interesting. Just very quickly, you know, tell us just a little bit about your life story. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, I've pursued both of those tracks. Um, when I was a teenager, I once went home for Passover. My father had dropped off a book on Maimonides on the coffee table, never said a word to me about it, but I picked it up and I said to myself, oh my goodness, these ideas about lifting up your life and the way you can think about your life and get beyond just the regular daily grind lends such a meaning to life. And, and then it became a lifelong pursuit of trying to delve into Maimonides' wisdom. And the more I focused on it, just the more blessed and transformed my life became. And again, my goal was to share that with, with, with as many people as I could touch through the book. You know, and it sounds to me like this was really a, a labor of introspection. And I think that that is one of the differences between the socialist mentality and the American idea mentality is the socialist very seldom do I see them doing any introspection on themselves. They're always looking to the outside and blaming others. Whereas the American idea, there's introspection on how can I be better? How can I improve? You know, what are those, those important things? So your book, The Secret Life, looks absolutely fascinating. And, and you can get it at Barnes & Noble, at Amazon. Um, highly recommend that, as you mentioned, for Valentine's Day. It sounds like it's a, a great uh, – that and some chocolates, that should be just perfect, right? Uh, exactly right. Okay. Well, Jeffrey Katz, thank you so much. Any final thoughts that you'd like to leave with our listener? Yeah. Just wanted to with that wish that everybody be blessed and be able to raise up their lives to a higher tone through the principles, the wonderful principles taught to us by Maimonides. Well, thank you so much, Jeffrey Katz. Greatly appreciate it. Again, your book is The Secret Life uh, and would highly recommend that. Thank you, Ken. Okay, and uh, a great show today. And so I thought, let's, let's do some Oprah uh, Winfrey quotes. Uh, first one is, luck is a matter of preparation meeting opportunity. 
And uh, the other is this. It says she was raised to believe that excellence is the best deterrent to racism and sexism. Totally agree with her. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson with the Americhick signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. Don't want no one to cry, but tell them if I don't say.